What on earth is that? It's a Journey into Comics Network production! All aboard! I brought my pencil! What do you wanna do with your life? Walk on home, boy! Yeah! What's up, Tutorinos, and welcome to another episode of Rank 'em All Van Halen Edition coming at you once again this week. This week we are at a monster album, 1984. Uh, I don't know if, if this is too much for me to say right out of the gate. I think we have reached possibly the pinnacle of what Van Halen is. I don't think there's not a single person. I, I know there's going to be a lot of people say that maybe other albums are like, you know, underdog better than this or, or maybe whatnot. Uh, but I don't think anybody could disagree how big this album is. And I think all of us have been looking forward to this moment ever since we really got started and rolling into this because coming into this album, this is the, if you're not a massive Van Halen fan, you know, this album. Because all their hits are on this album, essentially. Not all their hits. No, that's, that's but like short-sighted to say. But this is a heavy-hitting, packed album where even the B-sides, and, I, and not to spoil anything, even the B-sides are really fucking solid tunes. This is one of the, you know, they're a fine, well-oiled machine here. Yep. One thing I noticed is that they don't just change their sound here and define what Van Halen is. They defined the entire fucking decade with yeah. this. Damn near, damn near. And of course, you've heard him. I'm one of your rank masters, Brando. Joining me here is the podfather, Nate Phillips. Yo, 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 yo. And of course, the one and only drum meister himself, Joe Grimes. What's up, buddy? It's a yep. fucking slide against me, kind of, but okay. Oh, shit. I, I, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Um, I played with I played in a band with one of you, and I've jammed in McGuire Studio with the other one. So it's pretty cut. It's, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool to say that. But here, uh, you know, we've been rolling through these albums, uh, and and ranking them the best that we can. It's definitely been a very interesting ride uh, going through this than maybe some of like you know through the Metallica set and everything that Nate and I did, uh, because as we said before, Nate and I are super huge fans of them and we're pretty moderate fans of Van Halen, so we were digging into a lot of these B sides and lesser known songs, almost with a fresh coat of paint or co- you know fresh eyes, fresh coat of paint. Wow, um, I knew what you meant. Yeah, rolling over that. Anyway, uh, so some of these albums. Uh, have been there's been surprises along the way there've been some you know like back then things were done a little bit differently but 1984 guys uh this was an album in the making uh like yeah. you know we you know we said the, the previous album Diver Down was really not even supposed to happen like they were wanting to take a break and they didn't take a break they wouldn't did that and it kind of shows the album itself you know we kind of said that going into into Diver Down that the album before that fair warning i believe was man they're starting to hit their stride with their sound they're starting to experiment a little bit more they're starting to dial it in and they continued that with diver down but it also kind of seems like they were burnt out by the time they hit diver down they needed a break and they got it because unlike every other album the last five those most of those previous albums took less than two weeks to to produce and record so some of them were songs that they wrote on the road. Some of them were songs. Some of the songs, even from the first three albums, were songs from the very beginning of the band that just didn't make the first album, didn't make the second album. Maybe it got reworked into another song. You know, 
that's what happens a lot when you're in a band and you're on the road and you're jamming on different stuff. It's like, hey, you know, remember that one song we did like six years ago? Yeah, let's do that. Oh, well, you know what? I actually had this cool idea. And all of a sudden, it, you know, two hours later, you have almost an entirely different, you know, you know, sandwich in front of you. Essentially, it's like it's not even it, it is that old song, but it's like completely different. But here, <laughs> 84 took almost a year. And what a, a difference a year makes. Their first album was recorded in just five days. Now, granted, that's not surprising because you have a yeah. band who who had original songs. They're a party band, a cover band. They had some original songs, and they and they chose some of the best ones that they thought would fill out an album. And so I have no doubt that a lot of those songs were already kind of where they wanted them to be. And they said, "Let's go in there and jam and make an album." Yeah, here. You have a band that has been headlining tours, uh, filling you know filling up stadiums, and they're about to make the album of their entire life. And uh, very interesting. Uh, also, just said that like uh, following Diver Down, uh, Eddie Eddie Van Halen was dissatisfied by the concessions he made to Van Halen frontman David Lee Roth. And to Warner Brothers producer Ted Templeman, both discouraged Eddie from making keyboards a prominent instrument in the band's music. Uh, by '83, Eddie was in the process of building his own studio, well, 5150, and um, um, he na- he named it that after the California law code for the temporary involuntary psychiatric commitment of, of of individuals who present a danger to themselves or others due to signs of mental illness. I did not know that. Interesting. All this is, is all this is, is is from the album's Wikipedia page. So if there's any uh, wrongful information, don't 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 come after me. Um, <laughs> but I've never taken the time to read it. It's, it's very interesting. Um, yeah. So yeah, man, they made the album, and uh, according to Rolling Stone's retrospective, it is it is uh, one of the 100 best albums in the 80s. And I actually agree with um, uh, Nate that I think this album you almost can't talk about big albums from the 80s and not include 1984. You, oh, for sure. You can't. Across uh, the entirety of music, not just in the rock genre. I'm talking mm-hmm. Defined the Era. Uh, the album was released January 9th, 1984. It was recorded from June to October of 83. And it, it has a runtime of 33 minutes and 22 seconds, so right along the exact same runtime that we have had for every single yeah. Van Halen record so far, about a half hour. And it, and it produced four singles. So... Uh, Almost kind of like uh, right in line with you know with you know, with what it has done before, um, but yeah, we are at a point. How how many? Uh, I, I was looking real quick. How many albums you know did it sell? Where are we at? Certifications here. Lots. <laughs> that 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 is a very accurate yet but yet nondescript. <laughs> It's lots. It's so, lots. So, we're just going to go with the United States here. Sure. Just okay. them. Just us here in the U.S. Eight times platinum. Ten. Damn, Ooh. I was close. Nice. Ten. It has been um, certified diamond in the United States. Monster. Monster album. And you you could almost say, and then, you know, before we dive into the actual songs here, uh, you could almost say that sometimes in a band's uh, 
life period career however however you want to put that not every band gets this no for sure but there are some bands that do and it's just that lightning in a bottle Mm -hmm. it's the perfect song the perfect amount of songs it's the perfect attitude it's the perfect creativity it's the perfect kind of relationships even sometimes that's even tumultuous between the between the artists and and the the creators and the producers sometimes it's not the best thing to produce but at the end of the day, you're left with a product, an album, music that is definitive. It's definitive for that band. It's definitive for the genre. It's definitive for that time period. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that I, I, I don't want to take anything away from Eddie or from Van Halen or for David, anybody in the band and say that the last five albums were not worthy of to listen to and not they they weren't worthy of their success. This album took them to another level where yeah. they got cemented as icons. And you know, what band? Any band. I dare anybody to have an album like this and try to follow it up with anything. Mm-hmm. It's never going to have the same kind of central praise and reception. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you make the exact same album again. You're going to piss off a lot mm-hmm. of people because you just made the same album again. If you do something yeah. completely different, you're going to piss off people that you didn't make the same album again. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're yeah. now you're now serving so many different masters. You are you're bigger than you could ever imagine, and that's what this album did. And um, all tracks are written by Alex or Eddie Van Halen, Alex Van Halen, Michael Anthony, and David Lee Roth, except we're noted. And there will be a noted. Uh, it's a pretty sizable noted. <laughs> it is pretty sizable noted, and we will talk about that when we get there. Uh, but starting off, fellas, we have an intro track. What? What? Oh, we don't. We don't ever have any of those. My gosh! Like <laughs> <laughs> you, you could have put all of the intro tracks and Diver Down on side A, and it would have it would have yeah. been on some side of an album. Here, but yeah. here we are, and I have to say, you know, intro tracks are very hard for us to rank because there's almost no substance there. It, or, or like we have very the pretty true. woman dynamic where it's like, what are we yeah. doing? It, it's leading up to something that almost shifts tone when we get there. Uh, exactly. Sometimes it doesn't even match the the song it's going into. Or it, it, it just like, what was this for? Like, you know, was this was this Eddie's? Like, I have a cool little thing I want to try here, and I want to put yeah. it on the album somewhere. Well, what I really like about this, the opening track, the intro track, 1984, the title track of the album is, it sets the tone. It really does. It sets the, like, that's almost all I can say about it. It is synth. Eddie's like, I'm doing synth, damn it. And we're going to do this thing, and you guys are going to like it, and I'm going to experiment and do some weird sounds. And what I like is that, um, what we heard, I believe it was uh, was at the very end of of uh, Fair Warning. Was it the was it Saturday afternoon in the park or something like that? It was like some weird kind of synth. Um, it's like a synthwave type song thing that he did. That yes, was like, that was at the end of Fair Warning, Saturday afternoon in the park. Um, so you had that song that was like, man, this is kind of cool, but I'm not sure if I dig it. Man, he he captures yeah. the right sound here. Yeah, and I mean. 
to to throw a rank on it, this is one of my favorite intro tracks that they've done. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, there's not much else I can say about it. Um, so I'm gonna, I'll, I'll like, I'll kick the ball to see if you guys have anything to say. Nate, uh, do do you have any notes? Um, in my notes, I wrote modern sci-fi feels, but I want to change as we go in with our listeners. I want to change the mental perspective of experiencing this album for the first time. Think about January. Was it eighth, seventh, nineteen eighty-four? It was early in January of eighty-four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's probably snowing, and it's 1980 fucking four, so it's a cassette. And you know, you know, you rush down to your local place if you could even get there because of the snow. Again, it's snowing. You get in the vehicle, you put it in, and this starts. Co- it's you're listening to fucking aliens talk to you, bro. It is the future. <laughs> you have transcended what you thought you knew music was at this point, and it is probably a shocking experience, especially leading into where they take you into <clears throat> out of out of this uh this really kind of jarring intro. It's not like bad jarring. I'm just saying mm-hmm. shockingly different for yeah. the time people probably not expecting that when they turn it on. You know, well, most people probably were like, oh, man, Van Halen usually doesn't hit home runs. I don't know if we want to crank this yet or not. So then they're like, what's going on? They start, like, slowly fading it up as it's <laughs> fading up, and then, bam, it hits. Man. Okay, so, yes, I dug this intro. I gave it a seven. Seven? Awesome. Uh, yeah. How about you, Joe? You got any other things to add about it? I Honestly, like, I, this is the best intro that I've heard so far of it because it, it was just mainly it, it like we're talking about setting the tone, but also the perfect lead into the next track is all what that's about. We haven't had, I think one intro yet that has just been that perfect intro to song transition and that we've been missing. And I think this just freaking nailed it. Um, I loved it, man. It just, it really does set the tone for the entire album and then just boom, you're into that next track. No, I, I love this one. Uh, I actually gave it a 10. Starting it off strong for Joe, gave it a 10. I gave it an 8 because I really enjoy it. Uh, it no, like n- nothing more can really be said about it from my end. It's really great. Uh, but really quickly here, 1984 peaked at number two on the Billboard Charts album. Okay. Uh, behind Michael Jackson's Thriller. Jesus Christ, wow. what a top two. I want to say Thriller came out in like November of '83, okay. so you know here. So Thriller was like, boom, monster. Two months later, '84, monster. What a time, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, like we were all born right around that, like around that time, but a little bit after. So like, man, can, can only imagine. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's crazy, absolutely crazy. Um, the next track was the first single. The single was released on December 21st, 1983. It peaked at number one. That was Jump. Oh, yeah. Jump. Let's go ahead and jump into it. Well, yeah, we're jumping into it it because um, I have no doubt this song was everywhere on the radio. This, This song was everywhere on MTV. That, back when they still played music. Yeah, back then, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah you know. <clears throat> you know, they had about eight good years <laughs> playing music. 
Yeah. But back then, you know, you tuned into MTV and you got hours of music. And I mm-hmm. guarantee you, this song was on rotation at least once an hour. Yeah. It had to be easy. Did, did like they they swept up and they and they got a bunch of awards, you know. The the band was never bigger. And it it is my opinion, and it, it may not even be opinion, it could be fact, but my opinion, this is their biggest single they've ever had. Mm-hmm. This is probably their most successful single they've ever had. This is their most palatable single they've ever had. And the, and, the, and there it is. It, it's 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 that perfect lightning in a bottle, and it starts it off with the first actual song. A minute in, we we jump into the synth chords. So simple. It's got it, it, you, you 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 know you, you catch yourself humming it, and yet it's got everything in there mm-hmm. that makes Van Halen Van Halen. You know, it's not. It doesn't have the crunchy guitars. It's got a blistering solo. Mm-hmm. You know, towards the end, but it's got the rhythm that we know. It's there. You know, Alex and Michael hanging out back there, kicking it in the back, keeping you know, the other yeah. bare bones of it. But then you got, but then you got David, and we and we've mentioned before he can kind of get a little too out, too out of whack, or over here, you know, a little too like into like his weirdness. But he manages to keep that weirdness into a ball, like a controllable ball, right? That it's catchy. It wasn't obnoxious. It's, it's not over the top or no. <laughs> or shrieks or Joe. You cracked me up the last time I was around you, and you said it's funny how Dave went from wow <laughs> to doing what. Please do it. Oh, me doing the Dave? Yeah. No, no. Wow. That. There was that, but then what did he start yeah. doing after that? <clears throat> well, that that was I was talking about like Hagar going that. Just the yeah, ha. <laughs> ha, have mercy, have mercy, ha. <laughs> we went from that to yeah. So like, so so we're gonna go from ha. <laughs> anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's the come. But guys, <clears throat> jump is jump is their quintessential song. I mean, they they, they finally got it. it, it it's, a, yeah. it's this album would have been a monster, a great album without this song, because there's enough other. Uh, there's like a good full house of, of singles here and, and good songs. Even the B tracks are pretty damn good to help yeah. uh, support them. But this song is almost like bigger than the album itself. Yeah. And um, so I actually do have a very personal story to tell. As I, I played this song at my dad's funeral last okay. year. Um, it's almost as we were, as we record this one, it, like it'll be tomorrow, one year ago, tomorrow, I'm pretty sure it was the last time I ever talked to my dad. Wow. And he passed away on May 4th, uh, 2020, very kind of unexpectedly out of the blue. Mm-hmm. And uh, due to everything kind of going on in the world, we couldn't do the funeral right away. We had to wait and yeah. uh, do all that kind of stuff. But, you know, you know, it came time. I had to plan. the. I, it was all on me. 100%. I had to plan the funeral. I had to get a hold of everybody. I had to let everybody know what's going on. I had, and it was just, it was too much for me to handle. Then I had to deal with all the shit from work. Why can't you have the funeral right now? Why, why aren't you doing it here? Why don't you do this? Like all that crap. Yeah. And uh, be, because it was almost two months late, it was more than two months later uh, from his passing. I, I was trying to make a choice of what I wanted to do. And I wanted something to be very meaningful um, 
for a, for a very powerful memory that I have between him and I. And I could have played so many different mu- country songs, Randy Travis, anything from George Strait would have would have been quintessential for my dad. He loved George Strait, Alan Jackson, a- anything from you know. There's a few songs from from any of those. If I would have played it, everybody would start crying. I didn't want yeah. to cry anymore. I I done that. You yeah. know, I still tear up when I think about him, and I and, and I have a, I had a moment today with my kid because it was very because he started talking about my dad, and I'm like, we you know we you know, we shared a moment, but that uh, when I, when I was a little kid, uh, my dad played softball uh, throughout the '80s and then into the '90s when I was little, and uh, what he would do he 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 would back his car up to the dugout, open the trunk, and I remember it being in the car, and he had a cassette tape. It was 1984. He put it in and he blared "Jump," and that was their pregame, get you know, getting hyped up song. Yeah. So that's what I played at the funeral. I opened up my trunk and I played "Jump," and that's the memory that I'm forever going to be etched into my brain. Yeah. Uh, with this song, so now I have it went from being an awesome song, a great song, extra. This song is so extra uh, compared to like some of their other works. Now there's a, a there's a further deeper emotional attachment that I have with the song that I that I could have done anything else. I could have been sitting there bawling listening to you know um, George Strait, uh, uh, oh uh, Father's Love. Uh, let me tell you a secret about Father. Like I could have done that one. I would have cried. I could have gone crazy. Dylan right. Jackson, a lesser known song from him, but. Uh, or, or the dance. I remember my dad associated that song with his Garth mom, Brooks. Yeah. Garth Brooks. You know, so that's like, so like, I remember his brother, you know, my uncles, his, my, you know, my dad's brothers was like, if you'd have played any of those songs, I would have fucking cried. I went, I didn't want that. Like, yeah, we've we've done that. You know, we're we're, we're here to laugh and tell stories about him. So now that I've hogged up all this time for Jump, I'm tossing <laughs> over to Joe. Joe, what do you got to say about Jump? Man, I tell you, uh, this has been like my all-time favorite Van Halen song of my entire life, which is actually like it's funny. I actually looked up. Uh, this was actually the number one song the year I was born. I was born March '84, and this was the number one song. And you know, so it's no coincidence. No coincidence, obviously. You know, um, <laughs> but no, it's just it's one of those. It just from the get-go, from that first initial note in the synthesizer, you know mm-hmm. exactly what song it is. And it's literally one of these songs that no matter if it's just playing on my Spotify, if I hear it on the radio or if I, if I'm in a bar, like everything has to stop. And I never, I never skip the song. It's just, I got to listen to it all the way through. Um, especially the, the one thing I always liked about it is uh, in the bridge, Alex is drumming, like just, just all that crap he does in that. Just the, the random, like, I, I don't know how to say it. It's just w- when he hits, uh, the, just the different timing of the bridge when he, when, you know, the between the cymbal and hitting between the drums and everything. Um, I yeah, I just I can never say enough about this song. It's for me, it's like it's the song. The Van Halen, when Van Halen for me, I, I think of uh, like there's three of my top songs that are in this album that I always think about. It's this one and then two that are coming out later. Um, but yeah, my God, definitely the best song I think they've ever done. Nate. So I've got a couple notes and then I don't have a personal story as much as I have like a random gem that fell into my lap just the other day. And it's bizarre how shit like that always seems to happen. 
So first of all, Joe hit something that's one of my first actual notes is that Alex kills in this song. Mm-hmm. There is so much accenting in dynamics time points that just don't even make sense to normal musicians that he's finding a way to just go i have one eighteenth of a second to pull this note off let's mm-hmm. see if i can do it and he does and it's amazing but then you've got uh obviously the synth being genuinely welcomed into their sound is welcoming because it was kind of teased as we've previously said not quite unleashed here it is unleashed um the solo for this song is fucking perfect it is somehow the most flawless solo i think eddie ever wrote and i don't know how Mm -hmm. that is even possible when he wrote other solos that were genuinely flawless eruption in and of itself yeah a flawless solo you know but it fits the song so well here uh the song is iconic and is timeless even though it's about 1984 uh it's a perfect 10 for me but real quick I I happened upon the Peacock because I have it because of Xfinity mm-hmm. and they have a whole the entire library of SNL and we just went the other night and we were just scrolling I just randomly picked an episode didn't think much of it Bob 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 I can't even tell you who was hosting all I know is is the sketch was in a classroom a bunch of kids it was like adam sandler and farley and chris rock and they were all it's you're gonna laugh so hard brandon because it's kind of a story that takes us back to the the first uh, rank we did in the series with uh, metallica but all these kids are giving their like um they're right they're supposed to be reading their poems and all of them are reading love songs that are popular to like the 80s uh one somebody did like uh welcome to the jungle or sweet child of mine and the guy keeps shooting him down like i know uh you know like ah uh, you know it was it was it was great or whatever uh it's a it's an a plus you know and then they're all like whoa they, they give me an a plus for these like lyrics like i can't i can't believe that we're getting away with this adam sandler gets up there and he's like i'm gonna try something different and he starts singing the lyrics to jump. Go ahead, jump, jump. Might as well jump, jump, you know? And the teacher's like, I need to discuss your mental health with you after class. Because <laughs> he thinks he's suicidal. But then the super swerve is after the kids leave, one of the other teachers comes in. He's like, so how was your day? And he's like, ah, oh, man, a bunch of kids reciting Guns and Roses. And I actually had somebody do it. Van Halen, can you believe it? Like, it was, it's great. If you can look up that sketch, it is hilarious. Uh, but yeah, Jump, it is a flawless victory. I assume that's the same for you, Joe. Yeah, perfect 10 here, bud. Perfect 10. 10 here as well. Perfect score uh, here. And I wonder if we're going to get another one. Uh, is that our first perfect score? No, you talked me into no. a perfect score on the first album. Mister. Oh, that's right. That's right. Eruption yeah. was the very first perfect score. That's right. That's and right. the only other one until now. We now have our very second perfect score coming in uh, to the next song, which is another single. Mm-hmm. And was the, it was the third single released in June 18 to 84. It peaked at number 13, Panama. Good old Panama. Now, um, this song rips. Oh, yeah. It. What what I really liked uh, about this album, but also like about these two songs back to back, both of these songs are quintessential Van Halen. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you thousand percent. You have like the like jump, which is kind of like that new, uh, more palatable pop, if you will, version of Van Halen. You know, going in a certain direction, and then you have Panama, which is a, almost like a, it's like a, a dialed in callback to mm-hmm. like like their like their heaviness and their rock, and uh, the, the song is written about a car. Uh, according to uh, according to David Lee Roth with an interview with Howard Stern, uh, although the song features some subjective lyrics, it's about a car that Roth saw uh, race in Las Vegas. Its name was the Panama Express. Okay. Uh, so uh, yeah, we got with that. Uh, Roth wrote Hot the song. shoes burning down the avenue. Yep. Come on, it You're totally right. is a car. There, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. There, there's some there's some like double entendres there, but uh, Roth wrote the song after being accused of by a reporter of singing about only women partying in fast cars. <laughs> he so realized he a fast car with the they realized he's a rock star in the eighties. Right. Well, that's <laughs> like, when he 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 realized I, he'd never written a song about a fast car, so he so he decided to write one. <laughs> um, also, during the bridge of the song, where Roth says, "I can barely see the road from the heat." Uh, coming off, Eddie yeah. uh, Van Halen can be heard revving his 72 Lamborghini Muria S in the background. The car was backed up to the studio and microphones were attached to the to the exhaust pipe to record the sound for the song. Uh, Dang, that makes so much awesome. more sense now. Okay. Yeah. So, the, yeah, no, this, um, this song is, it, it's another huge, like, imagine if Jump didn't exist. Uh, then this song probably would have been the big monster hit for me, and not and that's not saying it's not even a monster hit by itself. True. Um, but it's just like like that. This album has a lot to contend with 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 in itself. But uh, I'm gonna shoot it over to Nate. You got anything to say about Panama? I think overall with this song, it's my my notes are short and sweet because a lot of that's already been elaborated mm-hmm. upon. But like the intro really grabs you. The bass and the solo. So the bass throughout the song and the solo in the song are both amazing. Eddie sounds like he's having fun in this song. And yet again, I have to say the word iconic. Yeah. Absolutely. How about you, Joe? Uh, This is actually my third all-time favorite Van Halen song, man. I used to drum to this so many times over and over and over. Um, and like Nate was talking at that beginning, just that, just straight to the top, bop, 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 you know, back and forth. And then like, you know, the breakdown, and he's got, he does this wicked shit. Like he kind of like he didn't jump in the bridge where he goes like two hits on the ride symbol. And then a couple on the toss back to the ride. Boom, boom. It's just all this syncopated mess that works because like I said, Al, Al, I, I'm, I've said this before, but I haven't said it for a minute. Like literally I think Alex is, one of the most, if not the most underrated drummer of all time, just the stuff he can do. Well, it's hard makes... to get out from under the shadow of your brother. And I'm not right. even drum world. Yeah. It's like you have one star in the band and it just so happens that Eddie was really the one talking. Exactly. Exactly. But man, yeah, I know this, uh, I, I could speak so many volumes, but the song was so good. Um, I, you were saying like if jump, uh, you made the, uh, thing about if jump hadn't been the song it was that this probably I, I 
don't think this would have been it. I think another song later on in this album would have been that top like monster song they had if Jump hadn't been around. Mm -hmm. But I still, this is a very strong song, man. Uh, I gave this one. This is another ten for me, man. Another ten from the Joester. That's three in a row. Three, bro. From Joe. What about you, Nate? I gave it a 9.75. It was very close to perfect, but I like Jump better. So so I feel like Panama is one of the best riffiest songs from Van Halen. I love the riff so much that I gave it a 10. Damn. So, uh, yeah, kicking it in strong. Now we're going to slow it down a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit, you know. Uh it's- uh, this the, the next song starts off a little bit slower and the kind of kicks in up a little bit. Top Jimmy, Top Jimmy. Uh, He's the king. Yeah, according to this, uh, He's the king. Top Jimmy was oh, a tribute. Jimmy! Was a tribute to James <laughs> uh, Konak of the band Top Jimmy and the Rhythm Pigs. Okay. So, um, what did you guys think of this song? This was a B side, and uh, definitely. Um, I think about it. This might be the first time I've ever heard it because I've actually, uh, I, I, or, or, or rather, should I say, not say, because I've listened to the full album before. This is one of the few Van Halen albums I've actually listened to the whole thing of before, but it didn't stand out to me, probably for good reason because this album is like sandwiched with big songs. So like you have Very a couple nice. of big hits in the beginning and a couple more here in a bit, but um, we'll go to Nate next. What do you think about? Um, top Jimmy. He's the king, man. I'm telling you. I keep telling you. He's the no. king. Well, okay. Well, well, uh, okay. No, so talking about it legit, I think the intro was fun. It's zen until it yeah. gets loose. The guitar work in this song is crazy. Yes. Um, total outlaw vibes. Total. Just, man, I was jamming on I was like, God, these guys keep reinventing themselves. They can be any sound they want. And that's what I kind of took away from this song. Uh, the solo is blazing. I loved it. Uh, I gave the tune a 7.5, however, because it doesn't have as much substance as I would like. Mm-hmm. I think the chorus really slaps. I think the riffs are good and stuff. I don't really take a lot else from the song, though, and that's where it loses a little bit with me. See, I felt like it's entertaining, but it's mm-hmm. uh, but it's obviously it, it's hard to measure up to just what had come before it. Um, not that it's bad, and when you t- when you compare it to the B sides that have come before on, on the prior albums, it definitely has more substance to it than some of those other ones. You know, like this, you know, this is nowhere near uh, uh, like loss of control, loss of control, loss of control. Oh my you know? god. Nothing. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> oh, let's go. Oh, right. My God. Uh, but I also don't necessarily think that it's uh like another like uh big bad bill, you know. So it's not it's not quite there, but but it just has a lot of it has a lot of energy to it. I also gave it a seven five. What about you, Joe? Okay, I mean, as the song says, "Top Jimmy cooks, top Jimmy swings." I loved it. This is another one I'm not as familiar with. So mm-hmm. the, the cool thing is, like, I, yeah, like I was getting a fresh perspective on it. Um, and no, I loved everything about it. I liked the slow start and then immediately, you know, into the driviness of it. Um, 
dude yeah i really dug this song um like i said i'm breaking i'm definitely going to be breaking the bank uh the rank bank for us on this album i i give this one another 10 man wow tic tac joe four in a row (laughs) (laughs) that's a new one that's a new one i have to start using that uh tic tac joe anyway um (laughs) <laughs> coming up with another with another beast side drop dead legs um mm-hmm. you know fitting in with what he said he's like oh you only write about the girls and and partying and cars well we had a song about a car now we got some songs about some girls we got drop dead legs i actually kind of <laughs> dug the vibe on the song i think it's pretty cool but um was it just man i'm not sure what about it was it was kind of a just a slightly down well, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Folks, stay with me here. As um, I lost power. I lost power mid-podcast here, so stay with me here. All right, so we got power back. We got the guys back. Hello there. Um, all right, I got freaked out for a second. I got freaked out. Hey. I got to admit, you guys froze up for a second. I'm like, don't do it to me again. Now it says my internet is not is unstable. Oh, yeah, you freaked out. I thought, shit, what did I do wrong this time? Okay, no, no. It says the internet's unstable, so just stay with me. Uh, technical difficulties <laughs> during uh, only the biggest um, Van Halen record that we've been reviewing so far. We were on Drop Dead Legs, I do believe. I don't even remember what I said. Uh, mm. Other than maybe it was like a slightly st- step down from what we've been listening to. Not that it's bad or anything, Uh I don't even remember what I said about it, so I I, I gave it a seven. Um, I'll go with um, I'll go with Joe. Uh, do you have anything to say about Drop Dead Legs? It's just another one of those songs, man. That you recognize that riff, mm-hmm. uh, like and like in the beginning is a little bit subtle, but that main bah, 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 you know, like whether it's on the radio or a jukebox here, like it's just one of those highly recognizable Van Halen songs, man. I just. Like I said, man, this entire freaking album, I've gone off the rails. Yeah. Uh, so I think you already know what's coming. Oh, no. Did you go five in a row? Oh, my God, DDP. Five time. Five time. Five, five time. Five time. Ten. Jesus Christ, Joe. Joe likes this album. <laughs> I really, really do. Joe likes this album. How about you, Nate? Do you enjoy what? this album enough to rank Drop Dead Legs a ten? No, let's bring it back to some reality here. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> This is a jam that is headbanging. Yeah, that's it's what very I groovy. Could have been on an old Van Halen album. Yeah. Less is more, you fuck. That's all I have. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> what was the whole thing? Um, that so, guys. Just so you know, it's sometimes we 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 go through periods where we don't actually record these. We don't record them like you know all together or anything like that and there was a joke on a previous episode less is more and uh less is better you fuck and, and it was like some sort of like was it a t-shirt or, or we were gonna make it a t-shirt it's gonna be the official rank yeah. of all merch i have it's to go right back here on my notes look less is more less is better you fuck <laughs> i wrote it I did. less I is fuck it. you let less is fuck you better <laughs> <laughs> They can't take a fuck, you joke. Or oh, that's yeah, what it was. Yeah. them if you can't yeah, take a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> joke them if you can't take a fuck. <laughs> yeah. There it is. That, oh, we were yeah, digging for that one, digging for that one. What would you rank this one, yeah. bud? 6.75. 6.75. Mm-mm-mm. 
I'm wondering if the next one is going to get the same reaction from you, Nate. The next one is the fourth single released October 1984. A little ways, a, a, a little ways down, uh, down the year here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the interesting thing is, is that um, they came out with such a powerful fourth single, it actually helped propel more sales. So they, you know, like, you know, they released it in January and, and preempted the release with Jump. Boom, it comes out swinging. You know, then they hit single number two. Then they hit Panama, number three. You know, that you know that gets them through the summer. Coming into the fall, sales start to go down anymore. Hit it with another single. And another iconic music video. Boom. And this song is a prime example of how when Dave's quirkiness and goofiness meshes right with the material and you get the right um you get the exact right mix perfect storm bro because can anybody else not Sammy not anybody else can anybody else play the, sing this song the way that Dave can because Dave is in that kind of quirky zone all the time. Yeah. No. no. Because half of like half of the verses are him just kind of talking. You know? I I personally love the the like the spots and like like when he actually is talking like he's like in the classroom. Yeah. Like one of my favorite lines is I don't feel tardy. <laughs> yeah. I wrote that shit. You wrote it? all right. I, I, I don't feel tardy. He's- Stole that one, uh, and, and of course I I put the um, I brought my pencil right in the rank of all intro. Give me something to write on, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, dude, this song I believe this might have been the song you were referring to, Joe, of uh, Monster Hit. Yes. You, I don't think that you're wrong. I don't think that you're wrong at one. all. But man, how cool is that drum intro exactly right holy shit when people realize that is alex playing the drums and not a car revving yeah or or like a motorcycle engine Mm -hmm. dude (laughs) some really cool shit going on here and i'm gonna uh i know joe wants to talk about it real bad so we'll start with him because i know nate's got notes oh my god though it's this this like this has been so many other songs where Alex has broken out, but I think like this is the one. Like as far as like his drumming, um, going back to me saying he's the most underrated drummer of all time. Just he's able to do that shuffle with the double bass pedal on his feet while doing that other bullshit with his mm-hmm. hands on his toms back and forth, and then the after he just has the bump it up it up it up it up, then he has like bump 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 bump, bump you know back and forth back and forth, and then straight into that song when he's just rocking that shuffle and the double bass pedal the entire length of the friggin' song. Oh my god, what a beast! This like seriously number two favorite song of all time, and it's obvious why. So really quick here, um, in two thousand nine, uh, Hoffer teacher was named the 36th best song of all time by VH1. Okay. And uh, Chris Klosterman, 
uh, Vulture.com ranked it the sixth best Van Halen song, calling it the encapsulation of almost everything Van Halen is known for, all within the space of five minutes. Athletic drumming, extended guitar introduction that transitions into thick principal riff, vocals that are spoken more than sung, two interlock solos, and lyrics that are technically demeaning but have somehow come across as non-toxic and guileless. Well said. It's like, yeah, it's very interesting. As I said, this song is heavy. It's rocking. It's got their quirkiness and goofiness. It gets a little risque. It it, it kind of, it just like you said, it kind of like dances that line, if you will, yeah. into into shit. So, uh, Nate, what do you got for me, bud? So for hot for teacher, as we wind down this album, um, <clears throat> this is one of those songs that is uh, quintessential VH. Mm-hmm. They, as that guy said. Put everything into this song, into this idea. Um, my notes are as follows, however. The drum intro is a holy shit moment. Just like, wow. They're mm-hmm. really, the Alex bringing the thunder here. You've got uh, the guitar, which blazes through the entirety of the song. The finger tapping is basic, but not in a bad way. Yeah. I don't mean that to demean it. I'm just saying, like, it's simplistic, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, again, less is more. Here we go. Uh, Dave is on point in this song, and I really enjoy the outro shift at the end. All in all, this isn't their perfect song, though. There's other songs on this album that we've already talked about that are definitely a little bit better for me. I gave this a 9.5. However, I do have a funny, intentionally misheard lyric that I hear now, and I'm not going to ever unhear it. I got it bad. I got it bad. I got it bad. I'm Hoffa's Tisha. Hoffa's teacher. Give me Hoffa's teacher. That's right. Hoffa's uh, teacher. Hoffa's teacher. Interesting. I also wrote, I don't feel tardy. I also <laughs> thought, I also thought it would be super interesting to change our intro to instead of having the, I've got my pen or brought my pencil to now include the, I heard you missed us. I love that. I heard you missed yeah. us. We're back. We're back. Yep. <laughs> like, uh, it's great. It's totally great. So, yeah, this song is fun, phenomenal, enjoyable. 9.5. 9.5 from Nate. I gave it a 10. Mm-hmm. I gave it a 10. I, I absolutely love this song. I think this is, just like you said, quintessential Van Halen. And uh, it's... As, you know, as much as uh, Jump is the new direction or the more pop direction, Panama is like the more rocking direction. This kind of has like this is a harken back to that goofiness that, like I said, it, but it, but it's so well confined. Taking their seriousness, their silliness, very seriously. Yeah, it's it, it, it's 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 confined. It's directed. It's not all over the joke place. Them they joke them if they can't take a fuck. Yeah, exactly. What you say, Joe is. Does the streak continue? It definitely does. That's a perfect 10 for me again, bro. Buddy. Buddy. Oh, boy. Oh, buddy. I don't know that we're going to be needing to rank any more uh, fucking Van Halen albums because nothing's going to touch this. I'm just being honest. (laughs) Uh, The next song was the second single from the album and is the one song that isn't completely written by the band and it is it actually has a writing hmm. credit from Michael McDonald who is the singer from the Doobie Brothers and yeah. 
The song is a collaboration between Van Halen and Michael McDonald, who was brought in by the producer Ted Templeman when David Lee Roth had trouble completing the melody and lyrics to the song. Um, what's interesting here is that also um, the that there was some crediting issues, like like Michael McDonald was not credited credited in the U.S. version, but was so for the U.K. version. And the uh, the ASCAP entry for I'll Wait lists Michael McDonald as a co-writer with Roth and the Van Halens. Uh, like many bands starting out in their career, Van Halen shared writing credit equally between all members of the band, including guitar instrumentals. So like every single song had credit from everybody. That pretty much means that uh, legally everybody gets equal pay uh, mm-hmm. for everything released by the band. Um. But subsequent claims would lend credibility uh, to believe that all the songs were entirely or predominantly written by Eddie Van Halen and David Lee Roth, with with little input from the uh, Van Halen's rhythm section with Alex and Michael. Mm-hmm. So uh, very interesting uh, t- uh, to note that uh, uh, because that's something that I never would have uh, thought of. You know, because when we say and, we, and we've done all the all the ranks for the albums before this, all songs are written by the band. It's like all writing credit is shared, so it's very interesting. You know, uh, and but it's also not surprising. You know, to say that like a lot of the a lot of the main ideas from the songs come from Eddie, and then you have Dave, and they're with him, and they're kind of like this duo together writing a lot of these songs. Whether or not mm-hmm. it's like because Dave is also somewhat of a like like a you know he he dabbles in some guitar too. So I bet him and Eddie sat there and they would they would have jam sessions of just playing weird shit. And of course yeah. that probably is, is a lot of what led to some of the weird shit that we've heard on the album so far. Uh, not on this album, but like some other ones. But this song, man. Um, it it starts off with more, with more synth, but it has a different synth sound. Mm-hmm. It sounds older, like it sounds like a couple years, like like late seventies synth almost. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like like whereas like Jump sounds very modern. I'll wait. Almost sounds Blade Runnery. If that makes okay. any sense. Yeah. If you ever watch yeah. Blade Runner and you hear like the yeah. It, uh, but another cool thing is that uh, Michael Anthony I, I actually played bass synth on this, and I love that. Really? Little, it's got that dirty bass bump, 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 bump. Yeah. And something that also that I um, that I really liked um, on this is that when you listen to the lyrics, you can almost tell that Dave was kind of helped with it because they're a lot more focused. And, and controlled um it also uh, this song the song was inspired by women wearing men's underwear in a Calvin Klein print media advertisement <laughs> interesting uh Roth pinned up the ad beside his Sony Trinitron television and addressed the lyrics to the model <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, that's funny. Yeah, so like a very interesting song. I actually really like this song. And this is actually one of the songs that like listening to the full album to rank it, I forgot it was a Van Halen song. Oh, really? I had heard the song before. Yeah. Uh, it, it's almost kind of like this, the opposite thing of it um, being like um, 
there's a there's a David Lee Ruff song, Paradise, just like Paradise. You know, yeah. I, I, for, for when I was young, I always thought that was a Van Halen song because it sounds like Van Halen. It literally is David Lee Roth sounding like Van Halen. But with I'll Wait, for some reason, I forgot it was a Van Halen song. And listen to him, I'm like, oh, crap, I remember this. And then it gets yeah. into it with the bump, 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 bottom. And I'm like, and then it, this the the easiness of, like, I, I, I'm not sure if it's, if it's the rhythm of the vocals even. Because he actually has some really cool rhythm to vocals where he doesn't deviate too much. And it's very catchy. Uh, that same mm-hmm. guy, Chuck Klosterman from Vulture, ranked it the 43rd best Van Halen song. <laughs> we went from number six to 43rd, noting it's mammoth drums, mammoth synth, not much verve <clears throat> or panache. Verve. That guy's just making up words. <laughs> <laughs> making shit up. That's not real. It doesn't make sense to what we're talking. It, it probably does, but I don't know it, so it sounds made up. Would you? All words are made up. What'd you guys say about this one, Nate? Uh, the synth, the synth intro hits. <clears throat> the lyrics are amazing. Like they're great. They're uh, well put together. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a jam overall. It is a sleeper hit because you do forget it's a Van Halen song. I put at the end of that breakdown is quintessential 80s because it is. It is like like you said, Blade Runner 80s, the most 80s, that gritty, grimy 80s sound that you kind of, when modern people try to mimic the 80s, this is the sound they mimic. Is this exact? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think right The Weeknd literally just did a song called Blinding Light that has some of the same kind of synth vibe in it as yep. this. And it's, uh, it's, it's noticeable that... Um, it's still so in the past, but still so relevant now. It it's that word that you said earlier. It's it's kind of timeless. Timeless. Do, yep. You know, it, like it's a callback to what was, but it still sounds fresh. Uh, how about you, Joe? What do you guys say about I'll wait? I, I for me the, the synthesizer. It's not a lot. It's just it's just it's just there. You know, it's just duh, 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 but it adds so much just from that little bit and the chord changes duh, 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 back down to it. And even with Alex's drumming is like as about as simple as it gets, and he uses I think nearly the same fill duh, 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 like through most of the song, but it it fits perfectly. Less is more, you fucks. I mean, just like exactly <laughs> what that is. Um, and I've always loved that song just for the simplicity of it, but it's also just one of those, you just, you can't, I, I never wanted to skip over that song when I hear it, you know, uh, not much there, but it's definitely a great song. Does the streak continue? It does. (laughs) (laughs) The streak does continue, sir. What about you, Nate? What's your rank? I gave it a 9.25. It is on the precipice of flawless. However, uh, it it isn't flawless because it is Van Halen and they are putting themselves in a very finite box. They don't use all the toys they can play with. They limit themselves on this song. And hey, sometimes that's cool. Less is more, you fucks. We get it. But like, <laughs> I think there could have been a couple more things to really make this song really stand out and shine. And maybe it was the fatigue of like, oh, we got to add one more song. Dave keeps not getting this one locked in. We got to bring this other guy in and shit. Like they just wanted to get it done maybe. And that's why it feels a little bit unfinished to me while also having a very nice uh, vibe overall. 
So Bert, yeah. Yeah. So Nate gave it a nine point two five. That was a ten from Joe, just to clarify. We didn't say, but yes. yeah, and then, and then yeah. another ten. Really quick here before I give my rank, uh David Lee Roth and producer Ted Templeman, who by the way, Ted brought uh Michael McDonald in to help Dave like, hey, you know, let's work with an actual, you know, another songwriter team up here for you know for a change and do something different. They wanted to remove the song from the album, apparently. I wow. guess we, when they were like, you know, looking at the songs here, I, maybe they felt, I'm not sure why it doesn't, it doesn't say why, but it's, you know, maybe they were like, yeah, you know, maybe we should not include that. Whereas Eddie Van Halen and engineer Don Landy pushed for its inclusion. They're like, no, no, this has got to be in there. And I think they made the right call. I gave it a 9.75. Yeah. If we would have recorded this episode two weeks ago, it probably would have been a 10. Uh, but, but in further listens, I'm being a little bit more nitpicky with it. Uh, I don't even though you know it still sounds good and you know and, and timeless. I think the synths here sounds older than what it did in Jump, and I'm not sure. Like the production just sounds like boom. <laughs> if I could say, right. I, I, I right. and, and I don't want to necessarily say that. That's why, and maybe that is just why I took like like two point five. You know, point it's two five. It's unrefined, bro. It's an unrefined track. There's stuff that's not as polished as we would probably like it to be. And yeah, so it's like no, like I I absolutely love the song though. Like to me, like like as I said, like it would have been a ten uh, two weeks ago. But the more I've heard it and listened to it with with the headphones on, not my Zoom. I don't have one of those. Um, hey. <laughs> A nice callback to that joke. But coming on, we had the last two songs here on the album. They are not singles, but the first one, Girl Gone Bad. Listed here about Girl Gone Bad is that uh, a Girl Gone Bad was written in a hotel room that he and he was married to Valerie Bertinelli. And uh, she was asleep. And he woke up in the middle of the night, and he's like, oh, I, got a, I, got, I got an idea. I got, I got to put this idea on tape, but I don't want to wake her up. So he, so, so, so he grabbed a cassette recorder and recorded himself playing guitar in a closet. Interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> and also, every time that I see Va- Valerie Bertinelli, uh, I can't help but uh, having Peter Griffin in my head saying, Valerie Burton Ernie, I'm sorry. That's just, they have forever ruined that for me, Valerie Burton Ernie. And also, we're, this picture that that pops up of Valerie Burton Ernie, she kind of looks like Eddie Van Halen. Weird. It's weird. It's like, what? Anyways, anyways, Girl Gone Bad. Nate. Yes. I had not heard this song before. Maybe I have, but it did not, like, with my current mind and, and thought process. When I heard this song, I was like, is this Rush? Mm. I dare anybody hear this song and not sound like it, it, it's Rush with David Lee Roth as a frontman. Right. It's got a little bit of that in there. Nope. Nate. Nate showing his. I, I, I can't read your. I can't read. Check a scratch. Rush vibes builds. But okay. So okay. I'll I'll elaborate on my notes. All right. But. Um. Well then. Uh, We'll send it over to Joe first, and then we'll hit you. Joe, what'd you think about Girl Gone Bad? I it's another like you, unfamiliar song for me. I had there's only three songs in this entire album that I'm I'm pretty unfamiliar with. This was one of them. Um, I like I I feel like in the bridge, like Alex, Eddie, and Mike, man, they all just go nuts on that mm-hmm. bridge, you know. Um, but yeah, like the brush vibes, like I wasn't even I hadn't thought hadn't crossed my mind, but no, yeah, that totally makes sense, man. That. 
that just that main riff it just grabs you you know and the, the, even the ending man like I, I just oh my god no i can't say enough about this even with alex's drumming at the end where it's just oh i i, I can't yeah i can't say any more about it man it's just perfect all around i think no like this is the sleeper song for me yeah like, like uh, I didn't think there would be one with so many big top hits that I know and love from this album. That has mm-hmm. been my favorite part of going through these albums that I haven't listened to completely to find that that big bad bill and from the very first album, um, Ice Cream Man, I, you know, Ice Cream Man, and you know, and and, and Little Dreamer. I, I like these songs a lot, and mm-hmm. you know, maybe they're not huge, big, epic singles but man they're really good tunes and i really feel that for this song how about you uh nate uh again the song builds it starts off it's funny you mentioned he's in a closet when he's writing this because <laughs> i can hear him just like cha 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 like okay i got uh, 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 like, uh, uh, i gotta try to play these notes quietly so she doesn't wake up and then like <laughs> when the song actually builds though it builds into this like really impactful thing that they yeah they do a great job of giving you a false sense of finality and a great song will do that. And what mm-hmm. I mean by that is they drive you up to the cliff and they just literally drop you all the way off it and start you back into the super quiet, make you listen. They use the the dynamics to pull your ears in more and to try to focus into what's happening back into that ending build heavy, heavy rush vibes throughout the song um, the guitar overall is on attack. And I just mean that it is just like in a, a sound presence. It's very graspy. The notes he's using are meant to pull your ear in and attack your brain meets. Also that there's a, there's a, I got to remember this. There's a, it's like, but that is so rush. It hurts. Yeah. Yeah. That is an Alex Lifeson move through and through. Eddie might have done it better because it's Eddie, but, you know, it's still. I overall, though, loved this song. I gave it an 8.75. Awesome. What about you, Joe? Hmm. 10. Okay, okay. There we go. Yeah, yeah, you weren't lying. That that meter from you. I, I told you. All right. I didn't. I didn't say where it was going to be at, but I told you I was going to break the shit out of that. Right All right. There. Yeah. So no, I gave it an eight. I, I really do dig the song a lot. Uh, the the closing track of the album, uh, "House of Pain." What's interesting here is that uh, for a while, in my brain, I listened to this song, but then when I was looking at my notes and, and, and my ranks, I forgot to write my rank down. So in my brain, I was thinking the last song is "Girl Gone Bad." For like a couple weeks. Oh, wow. And, and then I'm like, wait, there's another song? Crap. Oh, okay, okay. Yep, yep, yep. And it's, it's got a really cool riffy, uh, heavy, chunky kind of kind of thing going on with House of Pain. Um, if, it was hard because I kind of feel like I don't like it as much as Girl Gone Bad. But it's it, it, but it's kind of there with that chunkiness of like, like Panama. So I like that aspect of it. Yeah. Um, it's not the best. I don't know. It's I feel like it. it it's all the B sides here are almost kind of like in this nice little like area for me. We're like these are B sides, but damn, they're solid. Yeah, you know, and 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 that's what I felt about House of Pain. I thought it was very solid. How about you, Joe? Very, very, very solid. As 
as some of the other songs, I, I can't get enough of Alex's double bass pedal. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not really like it's not as technical as Hopper Teacher. Obviously, it's a little more it's a little more subtle, a little simple. Um, and, and the bridge for this just freaking explodes, you know. Um, but I think the cool thing for me was I, th- I think, yeah, it was like the simple, subtle, like guitar, hi-hat, cowbell mixture and just with the ease of the vocals towards the you know towards the end of that right and then the, the fade out with eddie's guitar at the end also just just that nice little it, it, oh my god i yeah it, it's a perfect mix of chaos and also just a nice little subtleness in mix that perfect again god damn it okay well i gave that away <laughs> <clears throat> so i take course, it I take it that the streak continues. The streak has continued for the ninth and final song. Yes. Was there anything else you had to add? I'm sorry. I cut no. you off. Okay. <laughs> no, I was just like, I'm, I'm just clarifying that for the very first time here on rank all and albums entirety that one of our rankers now, now granted we haven't, at this point, as of our recording, we haven't listened to the like the Between the Buried and Me sessions. So I'm not sure where if, if anybody on there have just said, nope, 10's all the way down. I don't know. But as of right now, as far as recording time, 1984 has received its very first perfect score from a ranker. Let's tell you, man, like everything on this album was a freaking home run for me, man. It is a monster album. Uh... Nate, what do you have to say about House of Pain to close it up? One more, one more time. Let's smash us back into some reality here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the intro vibes. I think Dave is really meh in this song, and what I mean by that is, I feel like they had like twenty. You know what? What they have like? Uh, they had like um, a total of six minutes left, mm-hmm. and before they had to submit to the to the studio. And they're like, Dave, you still haven't put your lyrics on House of Pain. And he was asleep at the time. So they're like, Dave, Dave, wake up. Wake, Dave, wake up. And he like kind of like zombie assed his way into the vocal booth and was just like, House of Pain. Like it was his best and it wasn't. And also, can I just mention the big elephant in the room here? This is the quote unquote for now, Dave. David Lee Roth swan song mm-hmm. how fitting he left his house of pain where maybe his uh, vision wasn't being satisfied and satiated as well as he would like it to be uh, I think the solo break is fun and all over the place which kind of makes the song for me but all, all in all it's very little substance very little stake a whole lot of six a whole lot of six I gave it a seven five uh, because I, because I kind of agree with Nate that kind of like his uh, uh, that that Dave's vocals are my least favorite part of these part of the song, but overall I felt like it was pretty solid with like with uh, Top Jimmy and uh, in Drop Dead Legs, so um, yeah, that's the album brink guys. Uh, to get this out of the way, Joe has the easiest one to tabulate. Perfect. Um, he the average score from Joe is. 10. <laughs> uh, Nate has an average score of 8.27. I like that. And I have an average score. Brando's is 
So uh, that gives us a master rank of 8.97. Oh, wow. wow that yeah. could very well be so far the highest rated album in the entirety of Rank Em All. It uh, is. Oh, oh, entirety. Wow. I'm talking Metallica and BT Bam. I'm doing a quick. Uh, Okay. <laughs> I'm opening up the Metallica one because I know what was the highest one for that. It, yes, it is. Uh, the highest ranked Metallica album was Master of Puppets at 8.81 in 1984 as 8.97. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, everyone, everywhere that hears my voice, 1984, David Lee Ross Swan's song, so far, we're going to have a little uh, bookend, an addendum, if you will, later on to return to. Yep. Uh, the Roth era is officially over for Van Halen as of this album. We're going to be entering Sammy Hagar's era on the next episode with 5150. It's going to be very interesting to check out to see how essentially the sister album ranks up against this album because you. It's clear now where the band is going artistically. Nate, you hit you hit the nail on the head. That's one of the reasons why Dave left. He felt like this isn't where he wanted the band to go. He, which is ironic because if you if you hear like like what I said, and I think you might not have been on camera when I said it. When you one of his single songs, David Lee Roth, just like Paradise, that is such a Van Halen song to me that I thought it was Van Halen for years until I got the Best of Both Worlds compilation when I was like sixteen, and I'm like. Wait, where's that song? Why is that not song on here? And a quick Google search says, oh, that's a David Lee Roth single. I'm like, what? Well, it, because it captured enough of that, you know, to say that Van Halen is just Eddie's band and his Dave was a part of it is so inaccurate. Da uh, or, uh, David Lee Roth was a huge part of this band up to this point. So all credit should go to. Uh, or, or or be shared with you know David Lee Roth for what he contributed to this to this band so far because it has led to some really great songs, some really mm -hmm. good albums, and a complete monster of an album with 1984. And you got to think though, when, you know, you said it, it it is a misnomer to say that it's all Eddie. It's a misnomer to say it was all Dave. It's all of them influencing each other. It's conversations that have nothing to do with that album that were happening before that album that influenced how Dave reacted in the booth when he was saying certain lyrics or how when Eddie was thinking about a certain moment when he was writing a, a, a guitar line, he was remembering a conversation he and Eddie had or he and uh, he and Dave had or he and Alex had that was just like the interpersonal connections that we don't see that make the album special are in my opinion what really influenced 1984 the togetherness of those four guys even as they were you know it was it was essentially like dave saying i'm gonna make one last effort to make things work and it was the best damn effort that they could all make mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you know it's crazy to think had he just stuck on and and and, and hung on who knows would they have released 1985 and it been even bigger you right. know, or yeah, I know I'm not or 1986, you know, whatever, however yeah. they would have done it as the next step logically. Right. Where would they have went? What could they have accomplished? Because, you know, that when Sammy joins and we're going to talk about this when we get to that next episode, seismically, there's a shift and his influence is felt in all facets of Van Halen from the start. Absolutely. But we'll save that for another time. Absolutely. Any closing thoughts, Joe? 
Nope. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for uh, for your input there. No. Uh, That's at, pretty self-explanatory, Brando. I mean, nope. it was tens across the board. Tens across the board. Yeah, yeah. You could have just said that from the beginning. I'm like, all right, guys, I'll go. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, absolutely, dude. Thank you guys for joining us once again for this episode. Thank you, Nate, uh, for being on here as well and, and, and ranking along with me and as well as you, Joe. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, history was made here today on Rank Em All with the very first um, perfect score from a ranker, as well as, so far, the highest album average. Uh, and a third thing. First ever power outage. During yeah, first ever power outage during Rank Em All, absolutely. It's going to um, cause you to have to tether them together. Oh, we didn't break the rank bank, we broke his power. Yeah, no, she, yeah I, I got overloaded here. High voltage, I mean, that's ACDC, hey, but that's for another time. Not, not now, not now. Not now. Uh, but Nate... Why don't you tell those fine listeners and viewers where they could find us? Oh, they know, Brando, but I'll do it in case maybe they're their first time here. You obviously can check out Rank'em All at rank'emall.rocks. Make sure to get us on all the different podcasting platforms. Just search Rank'em All, baby. It's really easy. You can get us on iTunes, Apple Music, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, CastBox, Tune in iHeartRadio. I probably said that already. iHeartRadio, many others. It's like arm bar, arm drag, arm lift, arm bar. You know, I'm just going to keep <laughs> Chris Jerichoing it, you know. Anyways, anyways, you guys know where to check us out. Make sure to get us on all those places. Go to the YouTube, subscribe to us, like, comment, give us your ranks on these albums. It means nothing if it's just our opinions. It means everything if you guys are getting in and telling us what you thought of Van Halen's 1984. Obviously, get in on that conversation below. Brando, I think that's going to do it, my man. I'll send it back to you to kind of get us out of here. Well, guys, thank you guys so much again for joining us for 1984. It has been probably one of the more enjoyable uh, listen-through for records for me and and obviously for Nate and Joe as well. We were looking forward to doing this episode, and we're looking forward to seeing you next time as we jump into 5150 on the next episode of Rank Em All. And there's no way you can stop us now as fine as you are. So just catch us next time on Rank Em All. Later on, guys. <laughs>